All right. I think we are live. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Carlos Phoenix with the Lounge Network and also the Georgia Latina Film Festival. And um, I have a great show lined up for you today. So let me just make sure that we are live. Perfect. We are indeed. And um, I'm going to show you a little bit of video uh, of our next guest, who is Oscar Torre. And he is an actor um, who has been in a variety of different movies. And I'm going to show you a little bit of his reel. So check this out, guys. No felonies, one arrest, also Las Vegas, Nevada. Alan Garner. Is this record accurate? I did that? Mm-hmm. Masturbating on a city bus. Yep, that was me. Look. We've been here for five hours. We already told your guys everything that we know. No. You told them a story about a little Chinese man. Leslie Chow, he's an international criminal. Look it up. A little Chinese man that no one in town has seen or heard of. And the hotel where you say he's staying? There's no one there. Probably because he left town. That's one theory. Another theory is that you're lying. <laughs> Lewd behavior. Cracker Barrel Christmas Eve. Frito leave. All the charges have been dropped. By who? It's your lucky day. There's a car waiting for you out front. Agent, I didn't kill that woman. I don't expect you to do anything. I just need somebody to believe me. the things I've done in my life. I never killed anybody. I appreciate it if you just, just try to believe that. Thanks. Hunters? Yeah. No, 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 no. That's sick, man. I don't play that game. Yeah, you're really humanitarian then, huh? Do you recognize these men? Brought them here six, eight weeks ago, from the islands, you know. But uh, they look different, though. They, they were skinny. How about the name Henri Guiton? I don't know names. I know faces. Who did you sell them to? One more time. Who did you sell them to? Awesome. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Uh, this is Carlos Phoenix. Uh, again, from the Indie Lounge and the Georgia Latina Film Festival. I appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, so let me present our great guest, uh, Oscar. And Oscar, where are you located right now? I'm in Los Angeles. Of Los course. Angeles, California. <laughs> so uh, wait, in your office, in your home, where are you located right now, like physically? This is the office at my home. Awesome. Of course. <laughs> so uh, you've done some great uh, work in your life. Um, but let's introduce people as if they didn't know you from anywhere. Who's Oscar Torres? Torres, I'm so sorry. I've been messing that up all day today, so I apologize. Yeah, that's all right. Torres is actually a friend of mine who's a writer. His name is Oscar Torres, uh, great Salvadorian writer. So um, you guys fight over the name? Uh, we, we, and funny enough, we're good friends, which leads to a lot of confusing, confusing moments. Um... I was born and raised in Miami. I moved out here to L.A. 19 years ago now. I moved over here uh, pursuing acting a film in Miami called Libertad about a political prisoner in Cuba. And um, so that's what brought me out here, take advantage of that movie coming out. And uh, that helped me get a manager and agent and all that and get me started. But then uh, I was out here for a few years before, without getting a lot of traction. I was doing little roles here and there until um, a film that was directed by Joe Menendez. Uh, I got cast in that, and it was the first uh, film done by a studio, it was Lionsgate, by an American studio. First film produced 
by an American studio that they put the money up. They had distributed before other films, but never had put the money up. So it's kind of a historical film. So I did that, and then I got cast uh, in a TV series called Kane with uh, Jimmy Smith, Rita Moreno, uh, Nestor Carbonell. Huge, huge cast of, of stars that I had looked up to my whole life. And here I was um, on screen with them, which was an amazing blessing, and it changed my career. Those, The film and the second one after the other, Actually, the movie, La Droga Rola Adron, came out at the same time the show was on the air. Uh, that opened doors and ends my career. So uh, so that was the, the movie Ladron, is that right? La Droga Rola Adron. Ladrones was a sequel. We did a sequel to that one recently, not too long ago. Okay. So let me see if I can uh, put that on screen so that people uh, who may have either seen it or... Um, I know a little bit about it. Can you tell us a little bit about that film since we're on that topic right now? Okay, La Droga Rola Ladron is a, it's, uh, it's um, like the Latino Ocean's Eleven. Uh, stars Fernando Colunga, Miguel Baroni, Saul Sasso, Gabriel Soto, Ivonne Montero, um, myself, um, Jojo Henriksen, and um, Ruben Garfias. That's the sequel. That's Ladrones. Right. That came out uh, two years ago. That's uh, the the one the, the ones that came back from the original movie was Fernando Fernando Colunga, myself, and uh, Miguel Baroni, and John Molario, who played the security guard in the first one. And the sequel, he happened to have written the sequel, and wrote himself a great role. He's a smart guy. He wrote himself a great role for the sequel. Uh, he fine. <laughs> Actually, he's an excellent actor. Um, and that was possible because he excelled in not too big a role in the first film, which tells you, you know, there are no small roles. The right. saying there's no small roles is true. So this is a sequel yeah. that came out um, in December of, uh, no, December, no, September of uh, 2015. That's awesome. Now, uh, yeah. so I have Jose on our comments and he's saying that it's uh, Ladrones is celebrating his 10th year so it's amazing that it's been you know time does fly so quickly so Ladron, yeah it's a 10 year anniversary now in September and I play uh, I play an out-of-work actor who's recruited to be one of the thieves it's a group of thieves we're like Robin Hoods hmm. but um I'm a very method actor and way over my head and not a very good actor um so, which creates funny scenarios. And in the second film, this one that you're seeing the trailer, I uh, I go undercover as a Texas Ranger. Initially, I thought I was a baseball player for the Texas Rangers, which I was excited. And then I find out, no, it's a cop from Texas, a Ranger, and I need to have a Southern accent. And my character is oh, a Cuban refugee who speaks with a Cuban accent. So I, it created a funny uh, funny situation. Me doing a southern accent with a Cuban accent. <laughs> so I just like son. Excellent actor. Awesome. Now, uh, in comments, I believe it's your mother, Amelia. Is she is she watching with us today? So she's just saying hello. She's the only one watching. You know. The only one watching is my mom. No, no, we have a few people watching. So uh, now those who are watching, uh, I would greatly appreciate if you guys share um, and, and allow us to have a great show today and, and increase our audience by you guys sharing out there. So um, cool. Now uh, give me an idea, for example, of when you were a child, at what point did you start feeling the, the, the acting bug? I, I didn't. I wanted to be a baseball player. That was my dream. Uh, and I played baseball until I was about 19 with a dream of being a baseball player. I was pretty good, but I wasn't good enough. Uh, it was in college. I had a girlfriend um, who later was my first wife. That's a whole different story, a whole different show. Um, <laughs> but she, as a joke, Judy, that's her name, um, not to be confused with my present wife, whose name is Judy. Never made a mistake with a name. Um, <laughs> she signed me up in an acting class as a joke. 
and because uh, I was very shy, and it turned out that it, it changed my my whole life. So I didn't get the bug until I was in that acting class, which my teacher in Miami uh, was Teresa Maria Rojas, who uh, credit to her was the one that saw me in that class, and I don't know what she saw, but she told me uh, maybe you should you should take this a little bit more serious because I was just taking the class for the credit, and I was scared. I was really scared of going up on stage and performing. And so, what what did like what allowed you to expand and and go back to back in terms of the films that you've been in? What allowed me to what? I'm sorry. Sorry. Um. So, you, once you started getting into acting, mm-hmm. what was like a breaking point? What what allowed you to really get expand and have consistent work? Well, um. I worked hard. I worked hard on my craft. I think it's a combination of that. I was a horrible actor when I first started. Honestly, I was horrible. I I I, I knew I could be a good actor. I knew it was inside me. I remember going to the movies and seeing performances that I liked, and I go, I think I can do that. I just didn't know how to do it, and I still had to get over myself, meaning uh, being self-conscious and, and uncomfortable. I mean, for lack of a better word, uncomfortable when I was performing, very self-conscious. Um, but, you know, I kept working hard and, and studying and and on my own and going to movies and theater and, and getting up on stage. And something clicked, like, uh, I would say three years into uh, acting and studying. And I had done a few plays at that point. It started making sense. Uh, and I, I started finding my own way of working, which, um, I mean, every actor works differently. And I think that probably most actors, you know, have their own process. And mine was the moment I was able to start thinking like the character and seeing the world from his eyes, then I was no longer, there was, there was, we were the same. And then I wasn't self-conscious because I was just being, I was present in the moment and reacting to everything that, that was happening around me as me, but, you know, with those traits of that character. So you, you're basically saying it's kind of like um, a piano player. After, you know, at first, a piano player, you can hear that they're very stiff. They're thinking about each move they make. But once you get the hang of it, it starts becoming much nat- more natural. There's a flow to it, and there's a familiarity to it. Yeah, except that the actor is the piano. You're the instrument. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so somebody's playing you, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The piano can't play you. You got to play the piano. Um, so it was. It was. It was. One of the things I did was I would take a character, and it sounds funny, but it was almost like Halloween. I would dress up as the character, and I would go out on the street as a character and relate to the world as that character. Not in the scene that I was going to play, but in, in, in real life. You know, if, if I was a, a little crazy, which was one of the first characters I played on stage, I went out, I dressed up, and I acted a little crazy and saw how people reacted to me. And that also showed me how they viewed me and vice versa, how I viewed them. So it got me into the process of, of seeing the world through the character's eyes and, and thinking like the character. Now, once I was able to do that, then I found my way into acting. And it's something that I still do to a certain extent. I still do to this day. I try to, maybe I don't dress up like the character, although I have at times. Um, but I, I try to get a sense of what it feels like, you know, how do I wake up in the morning as this person, whoever I'm playing? How do I see the world? What are my responsibilities? What am I thinking? What are my dreams? What are my goals? What are, what are my obstacles? What? So once I started, and you never end the asking the questions, and it consumes me. And it's a process that I like, and at the same time, it's exhausting. Oh, by the way, Oscar, um, the whole time that we've been live, uh, we have Joe Menendez watching us as well. So he, he, says, he says a big hello. Um, now I come to cast me. <laughs> so Joe, uh, you know, since I'm an in betweener, um, I expect a cut. 
No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> all right, so let's go back to the conversation. Uh, as far as your youth and, and your uh, parents and support and stuff like that, how, how was that for you? Uh, they were really supportive. I, I was working as a counselor in Miami when I started getting acting work. And, uh, and I some po- at some point I told them that I, uh, that I wanted to pursue this. And they go, well, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Good luck. Uh, I'm sure they thought I was crazy. <laughs> I don't, they probably thought I was crazy. And they definitely thought that I would, so I came to California, I acted in Miami for a couple of years and then I came to California, to LA, to pursue it. And at that point, I think is when they really thought I was crazy. And that, yeah. Cause I never really left Miami for anything. I used to play baseball and I would travel, you know, go play places, but, uh, I would come back uh, a couple of weeks later. It wasn't like I was gone for, you know, forever. And, uh, so when I left, I, they were pretty sure that I'd be back soon. I don't think they ever imagined that I would be gone and 19 years later, I'd still be in LA. I see. Yeah. So, but they, so you just, supported. they never said don't do it or anything like that. They just, uh, I mean, they, they pray a lot for me. <laughs> well, as, as most Latino parents would. <laughs> yes. And like so, candles and all the rest of the things, probably. So, uh, um, so you've performed in about how many films, would you say? How many films have I done? Mm-hmm. I don't know, honestly. I, I I've been I've been very blessed, thank God. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I have like over over seventy, eighty credits on on IMDb uh, between films and TV. So yeah, thank God. So a comment from Joe Menendez is, um, other actors are starting to get angry. I cast him so much. It's true. It's true. They think it's a Cuban thing. Oh, really? Cuban. So is, this, so is that a thing? Is, uh, is Just focusing on the Latin um, market, is it extremely competitive? Do you guys like kind of start stepping on top of each other in terms of, you know, who's going to... No, no. We don't step on top of each other. We... We just kill each other off. <laughs> in the movies. <laughs> yeah, but we don't step on top of each other. That, that's not going to stop anything from happening. Right. You know, if a guy gets a role a few times, you, you get rid of him. Um, no. No. Uh, honestly, somebody's got to get it. Somebody's got to get it. I think it's a numbers game. If, if you're a good actor and, and you work at your craft and you show up to every audition and you're prepared and you network and, and you do all the things, you know, it's, 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 it's a craft and it's a business and you got to be able to handle, deal with both. Um, you can be an excellent actor, but if nobody knows it, you're not going to work and you can do a lot of, you know, networking, but if you're not a good actor, you can't back it up. You're not going to, you're not going to work either. So I think it, it's a, it's a good balance that you need to keep. But when I see other actors who I compete against, and they and they they book roles. I, I am legitimately happy for them. I wish I would get the role, but if it's a friend, I'm I'm happy because somebody's gonna get it. And it's and I've been blessed that many times it's gone my way. So and you never know why they cast somebody. So I, I long ago I tried I stopped trying to figure it out. No, I understand that. Now you're you're uh, the the. Movies and, and stuff that you put on, the acting that you do right now, at least the most current stuff, is your acting is extremely believable. I mean, you can tell that you get really into the character. And um, and some of it is funny, you know, when it's meant to be funny. And, and some of it is kind of scary when, you know, when you really get into some kind of dark character. So, uh, like, one of the films is The Boatman. So, can you tell me a little bit about The Boatman? The Boatman is a very interesting uh, film and, and very interesting... Once again, oh, that's the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> that's directed by Greg Morgan and produced by Jeannie Morgan, his wife. And, and I was very blessed to get this role. This was a role that I really wanted once I read the script uh, and scared me in a way because I saw a lot of possibilities where I could go wrong. 
uh, with this role. It's a guy. Tell us a little who, bit uh, about the character. He's a coyote. Uh, he gets people across the border, and uh, but uh, on, unlike other coyotes that you see in films, he's not a bad guy. But he's not a good guy either. He's he's just a guy who's you know single-minded, goes about his job, takes pride in his job, uh, doesn't want any attention to himself. He's a loner, drinks way too much, and lives basically for his job to get the people across. But they all got to pay. Um, huh. He doesn't do charity work. And he ends up doing the right thing constantly despite himself, uh, which leads to the, you know, to the drama in the story. And he starts having these weird occurrences that he keeps finding people that are dying and they tell him his last wishes. And he, they want him to relay those wishes to other, to a family members. So he keeps calling, he's constantly calling somebody, hey, so and so, your daughter just died. I'm oh. just giving you this information. Despite hating to do it, he still does it. And and he finds himself not even sure why he does the things that he does, but he does it. And during the film, without giving too much away, you realize that he doesn't have a lot of a lot of memories. He has issues with his memory. Um, and why is that? I, I would be giving stuff away from the film. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Like, Let's not do why, that. But, uh, <laughs> One thing is he drinks a lot. He drinks a lot, but is it, does he drink a lot to forget, or or does he forget because he drinks a lot? Exactly. It's, yeah, That's it's an good. interesting dilemma, and it's got a sci-fi twist to the story, but at the same time, it deals with a with a, an important issue, which is the people coming across the border, and um, it, and it shows. It shows the reality of why many people come across the border without getting into politics. It right. just shows that, you know, these people, regardless of who they are, where they come from, they come to this country looking for a better life, hmm. looking to give their family members, not even, sometimes not even themselves. They're not, they're, they might not get a better life, but giving their children the opportunity to have a better life, to provide for their loved ones. Um, and I say it, I have a line in the movie that I say, these people, they're just, they're just looking to get out of this crap and looking for a better life. Yeah, I mean, time. so, so is that something you do in your selection of, of roles is, um, see how much of that type of story it's telling? I, um, like, do you have a criteria, in other words? Every role is different. I, I, I try. Even if they're similar, I try to see if there's something that I can find in the role that I haven't said before. And and I I think every role tells a story. Even if I'm playing a villain, maybe it's just highlighting what this person is and showing them as a human being. Very flawed human being, but, you know, they do exist. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I do different films for different reasons. But I find that that many other projects I've done do tell a story that I want to tell somehow. And I don't know if I find them or they find me. It's an interesting it's an interesting uh, situation how I mean, it's like it's like when I'm right for the role, the role will find me and Vice versa. As much as there are other roles that I, I want to play, um, I play the role that I'm supposed to play. I hear you. Um, so, I, 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 give me a story about your like how you met your wife. I met my wife. I met my wife in an acting class, um, an acting class that I wasn't going to go to. Uh, a friend suggested I should study with a teacher by the name of Sal Romeo, excellent acting teacher here in Hollywood, um, and he said, you should meet Sal. And I'm like, I didn't have any money for acting class at that time, but he kept insisting that I should meet Sal. So I went to that class to uh, to um, just to observe, and Sal gave me a scene and paired me up with Trudy, with my wife. So my first ever paired up with 
was ends up being my wife. Um, we started going out three years later after I met her. So it wasn't like a, a right away. It was three years after we met in, in acting class hmm. that we were paired up for another scene. And that's how we really uh, got to start knowing each other. And, and we started going out and ended up getting married. Awesome. I love stories but, like that. You're looking, for, you're looking for a wife, go to an acting class. That's what I... Uh, I, I, I have one. <laughs> and it feels like an life. acting class sometimes. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. very dramatic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, cool. One. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, marriage in itself is an adventure. So uh, I can imagine, I can't imagine uh, both of you, you know, in, in the careers that you're in and the marriage, uh, you know, is, 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 Granted, uh, you know, there's some big Hollywood types that we hear about and you hear, read them in the magazines and their stories become very like public and that type of stuff. So I can't imagine, you know, that kind of drama. I mean, just the, the fact that you always have this attention coming. But let me think. Um, you're currently working on some projects. Can you, well, actually, let, let's talk about some awards that you've been nominated for uh, this coming week. Yeah, uh, uh, Friday. I was nominated for the Imahang Award. Awesome. Um, which that's an award given. Uh, the Imahang Awards are given to um, Latino actors or portrayal of a Latino actor. In my case, I'm nominated for best actor in a feature film with some some great company. Rogelio um, Lebes is nominated for uh, How to Be a Latin Lover. Uh, Mr. Luna is nominated for Star Wars. Gabriel uh, Chavarria is Theo Rosie. Uh, great, great group of guys. So yeah, you nominated. have some company. You have some company there. That's a that's very competitive. Some good. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, La Bamba, mm -hmm. nominated as well. So yeah, it's some good company. That's awesome. Just cozy. Now, are you, now is that a tight knit community? The Latin actor community. I, I would say so. I mean, the, the guys, the people that I, I tend to audition for the same thing, we tend to bump into each other in the rooms a lot. Like it's, it's like, hey, <laughs> which is all the loudest rooms when you get so, ten Latinos who all know each other, who've worked. A lot of us have worked together at some point, and we're all in the same room. It becomes a. a I was joking the other day with somebody. I go, all we need to drink is drinks and food, and we have a party. Well, well here's, the reason I was laughing, the reason I was laughing is I'm picturing you walking into the room and it's just, a, you know, and I, I might have seen this in a TV show, but it's a, it's a line of actors all with the same haircut, the same shirt. <laughs> is that, does that happen? Uh, similarly dressed. Funny thing is that I, I, since I guess I'm a character actor, um, we all look different. I mean, I walk in a room and there's, I see guys who, you know, big, fat, short, long hair, bald, and we're all going for the same black, white. We're all going for the same role. But we're all, you know, uh, Latinos. A lot of times, uh, uh, I'm blessed that a lot of times I end up auditioning for roles that are not Latino, and then I get to see a, a new group of people who uh, always look at me like, hey, who is he? <laughs> like an outsider. What are you doing here? You get that sense. But when okay. it's when I go to the room and it's Latino actors, yeah, we tend to all know each other. And you go just go up to them and say, "You again." <laughs> it, happened. it happens. The other day, I was in an audition, and a, a friend of mine, who I just worked with, Hemki Malera, he's in uh, Queen of the South. He's a series regular on Queen of the South, and he walked in the audition because he, he's on hiatus now. He walked into this and somebody goes, hey, what are you doing here? You're in a TV series. Get out of here. What are you doing here? <laughs> and like, I'm free now. <laughs> I hate this. So now, what, um, what, do you, what would you say you, if you can wish uh, in respect to and, and I don't, I hate to bring it up as far as, far as a Latin conversation because obviously uh, as an actor, you don't only think about, well, I'm a Latin actor. I, I you know, you, you think of yourself as an actor that you want to yeah, get I don't. parts. No, actually. 
I don't. I, I think that's why I've been able to play other roles um, and been cast in other roles. There's been times that I've been cast in a role that's not Latin, and then they change the name. You know, that I go from a, right now I'm attached to a film that that I just booked that the character is African American. Um, they'll probably change the name. Right now the name is Jason Taylor. Okay. I don't think I'll go with the name Jason Taylor. Jose Taylor. Um, they might go Jose Taylor. Eduardo. Or, or or a name that or a name that doesn't go you know that could be Tommy or something you know that you really don't know where Joey. he's from. Joey. Joey. So I played some non-descriptive characters that that my background is not an issue. So I've been blessed, but I think part of it is because I don't see much. That I'm a I'm Latino, but Latinos many things, you know, and we're all we have a lot of things in common, but there's are differences as well. Uh, so I see myself as an actor, and if the role happens to be Latino, yeah, obviously I, I I feel an affinity to that role, but I still have to do the same type of work, and you know if I'm playing somebody from Mexico, Guatemala, or Puerto Rican, um, it's different than my background being Cuban. There was, uh, my family's Cuban. I was born in Miami and raised in Miami, so you still have to do the work, but um, yeah. I go about it the same way, and 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 I was thinking of myself as an actor first and foremost. Right. So, what do you think would ch- or should change or could change to allow? And and I'm hearing a little echo from you. If you could lower the volume a little bit, because your microphone's picking up. Lower it a little bit. Yeah, just enough about that now. the microphone. Okay, that sounds fine. Okay. Um. What, what what changes do you wish can happen so that you're not constantly trying to have to overcome the whole Latin stigmata or not stigmata, but um, stereotypical roles? I think it's a combination of things. Um, we need more Latino executives who think outside the box, who see the world, you know, because I don't think it's that they, I don't think it's that they go about Hollywood goes about saying we don't want to cast Latinos. But what happens, I think, in many occasions is that John Taylor, or let me just say a name. I'm saying, guessing a name. John Taylor, his world and his reality tends to be white. Therefore, he sees the world through those eyes. Going back to what I said about seeing the world through the character's eyes, he sees the world through those eyes. So until you don't get, or, or unless he was raised around a lot of Latinos, then he'll see the world differently. But if he wasn't, he tends to think of the doctor as white, and he tends to think of the cop as white, and he tends to think of the whatever as white, when in reality you go to a hospital, and good luck finding, you know, Somebody who's not Latino, who's not Filipino, who's not Asian, who's not Indian, who's not. It's, they're all colors. But Hollywood tends a lot of times to think white first. So I think it starts with the executives and then it becomes the writers. We need more writers who, who are, who are Latino, who are telling our stories and sees the world, you know, instead of just writing, because writers a lot of times write characters, and they're not thinking of nationality. A lot of times they're not thinking of nationalities, but if they're white, they tend to write that character as Billy. And they tend to write, when in reality, Billy could be, Billy can not only be Billy, Billy could be Jane. But if it's a white male, they tend to think along those lines. They tend to think of a white male. So I think it's executives and then writers or people in power um, in film and television, writers have a lot of power on TV. Uh, right. Showrunners. So, to, if, to get more that are Latino. And once you get more that are Latino, they tend to think along those lines. They tend to see the world. Not that they're just going to say, oh, we're, they're not going to, you know, have white characters. We live in the U.S. There, obviously, there are plenty of white people, but they tend to see the world more accurately because they live in a world that has many different colors. Now, um, I was talking to um, 
to Rick uh, Nahara. Nahara. One of the things he was mentioning is that one thing that could change or one thing that could dramatically affect everything is an opportunity for Latino writers in film to increase. And that way they can write in these type of roles without necessarily having the particular stereotypes involved with it. Any thoughts on that? Yes. Um, well, how do you get them in the door? How do you get those Latino writers to get the opportunity? That's, that's the other thing that I would, I would add to what he said. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's why I said it. I think it starts with executives, people in, in power who are willing to give that opportunity. And, uh, and those Latino writers as well to write, you know, Latino roles, good Latino roles. Sometimes, you know, they want to get in and I understand. I understand wanting to get in. So they write white roles. So now you got somebody in power and they, you know, they, they cast the whole white cast. Ooh. And you're like, you know, he had the opportunity to give, uh, to cast some Latinos in there and there's no Latinos or no Latino role, a sizable role that makes a difference. Right. Yeah. Something that's going to be like, uh, well, yeah, an, an example of a person that I think that comes to mind to me is uh, someone like uh, Robert Rodriguez. So, okay. um, you know, Yes, everybody, obviously, from the name can tell he's Latino, but the content that he creates is, uh, is something that, you know, families or, or the general public would just sit back and enjoy because it's not, let's say, a Mexican story or it's not, uh, someone, you know, in South America, a drug lord story. He, he tends to write things that just appeal to a general audience, uh, vampires, science fiction stuff. Um, Which I think know. that's great. I think that's great, and, and I agree with what he's doing, mm -hmm. because what he does is he casts a lot of Latinos in these roles right, that exactly. would have gone, but they don't. They, they, it doesn't matter that they're Latino; they could have been anything. He just is thinking along those lines. But he also has other nationalities. It's not like he's everybody's Latino in his movies, or or Dust Till Dawn, for example. Not right. everybody was Latino. No, true. Um, so I think which Joe Menendez is watching, he directed a bunch of those episodes of Dust Till Dawn. Um, but that gives yeah, he was, he was telling me. Carlos, Carlos Cotto was the, the was a showrunner of that show. Um, Latino happens to be Cuban, and um, so therefore he sees the as an executive. Not only Robert Rodriguez, so Carlos sees that world with all different colors. Well, that's Kane, which is another great example. Cynthia Cidre was a writer in the show, the creator of that show and writer, along with Jonathan Prince. Therefore, she told the story that she knows. She she wrote she made a story about a Latino family. Didn't play, huh? It, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to get it to show. <laughs> Sometimes YouTube does not participate with the show because I don't have rights to it. I see. All right. Well, if it plays, I'll, I'll, I'll put it back on. But um, so basically what I wanted to show is the variety of different content that you've been able to put out and act in. Um, now, are you currently working on any specific projects? I just shot a film uh, last week. I finished the film called Lost Souls, uh, which is a dark film um, produced by Bobby Cloud. And uh, the director is John Fu, and it's about um, it's about a family. I play a dad, and Lourdes Reynolds plays the mom. And uh, we have a daughter. I'm very religious, very Catholic, and we have a daughter who starts acting strangely, and uh, I think she might be possessed. Hmm. Therefore, I call in a priest. Um, I talk to the priest, uh, my local priest, uh, actor by Just Justin Gordon played him, excellent actor. And uh, he brings in another priest, uh, Roberto Sanchez, uh, to deal with the situation. It's it's a dark, dark story, based loosely based on a true story. Uh, I just finished shooting that. That was intense. And then 
I have several projects on the works. There's one uh, called uh, Lunar Ticking, which I co-wrote with my wife and uh, a friend called Bobby Lucas. Who, um, that's in the works. And also another film with uh, the director of The Boatman, uh, Greg Morgan, called The Price, which is a beautiful film. Um, but I hope I hope it gets made. So I have that, and then I'm attached to a couple other films, and I might be working with Joe Menendez again if he gives me a job. Um, <laughs> I'm just poking at that. Laughing. Hey, audience member, just hire me. <laughs> hire me. If you're a director out there, 1-800-OSCAR, I'm available. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so let's see. Let's see if I can get any kind of collaboration here with YouTube. Now, um, there is a show here in Atlanta. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to leave it like that because uh, we you know, we were supposed to tiptoe around it, but I think I'm going to tiptoe around it. <laughs> okay. You want me to say? Yes, please. The show that I'm in. Yes. Okay, I, I am uh, currently on a show called The Half and Half Knots that shoots in Atlanta. And uh, my uh, I start my um, – that's Kane. Yeah. That's Kane. That's with Jimmy Smith's right there, Mr. Smith's. Awesome. The great actor. Awesome. Oh, yeah, let me uh, put some volume to it. Okay. Okay. What does it mean? I know that. What does it mean? Somebody's wishing bad things to happen. No, 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 not someone. Miguel, your friend, Miguel. My wife got stung. My pregnant wife, Santo. Is she okay, your wife? Yes, she's okay. What does it mean? I made a mistake, didn't I? Yeah, I sent two errand boys to do something that I should have done myself. So Miguel wants money. What do you want? Come on, Santo. Everybody wants something. What do you want? Eh? Okay. When I came from Cuba, I left my mother behind, worrying. I sent her money every month so she can at least have an egg a day. I want to bring her to the United States. That's what I want. I heard that you came alone too. We saw your real parents. Yeah, I was 12. That's the ugliest memory I have. Being in the dark sea. People screaming. Children crying. I don't want my mother to come that way. I have to trust you, Santo. Do not betray that trust. I'll get your mother out. I'm going to get you home. All right, well, uh, I was so, like, distracted by the acting that I'm like, oh, that's right, I'm interviewing him. <laughs> oh, did did you freeze, Oscar? Are you frozen? No. I hate when things like that happen. So, all right, he's frozen. Uh, hopefully, I can get him back on. Um, looks like he's trying to reconnect. So let's hope that uh, he can. The internet has been very mean to me today. Um, we were broadcasting in the Georgia Latina Film Festival page. And for some reason, I got kicked out, and then I tried to broadcast back into it, and it it was blocking me. Um, so I came onto my personal page. Uh, hopefully, we'll stitch everything together and re-release this content for replay purposes. And I appreciate all of you guys that are here. Um, so since I have your attention, uh, let me continue playing the clip that we're watching and uh, hopefully we can get him back before the end of the clip. 
So I'm going to be working in the background trying to get you guys. And if you guys have any questions that you've probably collected in your minds, please feel free because I know there's a few questions there now. So my apologies. What did you do with Quinones' body? Uh, Quinones, I bury him in Samuel's place. Te volamos, Miguel. Oye, estás perdido, hacer, eh? No, pégate ahí solo. Ponte hielo. Oye, ¿qué es lo que tú quieres? Que el exilio es un lugar bien solitario. Dale, súbete, que te voy a dar un rayo. ¿Qué? Ok, está bien, está bien. Admito que me puse un poco disgustado cuando me enteré que tú estabas chantajeando a Bey y no me dijiste nada. Pero después me puse a pensar. El problema con Miguel es que Miguel nunca ve más allá de sus narices. Ok, así, on air. All right. Así, tengo al hijo de Bey en el maletero. Welcome to the land of opportunity. I can't hear you, though. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. I was saying, welcome to the land of opportunity. <laughs> Perfect. You sound like me. Yes, I try to. You know what's, what I noticed? Latinos and their goatees. Yes. <laughs> you had one. He had one. And I'm like, do I look good in a goatee? <laughs> You know what? There was a funny line that I ad-libbed in Kane. It was like episode, uh, I think it was like episode three. And um, I was I was scruffy. I had a goatee, but I was like really, I was really um, unshaven in the sides. And his character wanted me to look more legit and less like a criminal. Uh, so initially the idea was for me to shave, my character to shave completely. But then the writers, uh, then they decided that they wanted me to have a goatee as well. So I ad-libbed the line that wasn't in the, it wasn't in the script. And I, I say, my line is, can I keep a goatee? <laughs> this, this is an actual scene in the, oh my God. can I keep a goatee? And, and he's supposed to say, yes, okay, sure. Just make sure it's clean and whatever. I said, can I keep a goatee? And then I go, because I want to look like you. <laughs> that's funny I like that um, okay so now I'm going to look at the audience and see if there's any questions I got Jose and Jose is asking you are always working how do you get so many roles um, I think it's a combination of preparation and luck honestly uh, preparation and luck and, and, and persistence you know um uh, I'm constantly, I'm here on Facebook and I post my demo reel and my friends have seen my demo reel a million times, but there's other people who haven't seen it, you know, who are, maybe I just befriended a director or something and they happen to see my work because I just posted it. That's one way. And the other way is just, you know, when I meet people and, and not to be afraid to say, you know, hey, I want to work with you. I like your work. Uh, I'd love to work with you. That's that's another way of working, and then make sure you can back it up. Make sure you can back it up, and you show up. My computer was making a sound, so I had to hit it. Oh, like, computer, I keep a laptop, so you have to like slap it a little bit to get it to work. Um, so, so you know, preparation and bringing your bringing my own interpretation. There are many roles that I don't I don't get, and there's times that I'm not working. That's that's the reality of the business. So tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about that struggle. Like, is is there a point in time when you're like, you know what, I haven't worked in like two months. How I'm going to make ends meet? Like, is a lot of people it, it watch actors in Hollywood, and it's just assumed they're always working, they make a ton of money, you know. Uh, then they don't they don't worry like like regular people do. So so let's give them a reality check. What what is it like in terms of life when? it's starting to kind of get nervous of, oh boy, I don't know when the next 
part is going to come up. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You start worrying. Um, I've been I've been at it for a while now, so I've noticed that I will work, and it's always a matter of time. When I'm not working, it's always a matter of time until I, I work, and it tends to it tends to be in cycles. Uh, so um, be smart and save money when you are working. That's the you know. When you when things are going tough, you know you people have a million survival jobs, and, and that's uh, you know story of a lot of actors. You have to have survivor jobs to pay your bills. That's you have to be able to eat before you act. Um, the worst thing in the world is going in, into audition and needing the job. So I, yeah, I, I can imagine I, that. I need to do something else in the meantime. Do something else. Just keep your eyes on the goal, you know, and and be focused on why you're doing this. A lot of times. And, and and I think sometimes actors come to LA and they get lost in the, especially if they're younger, they start partying and they they you know, they think, oh, I have time. And next thing you know, twenty years have passed and they haven't worked. Well, not only that, but they come, they maybe they'll make a they'll make some money, and they think that and the same thing happens with music artists and and many uh, media type work. Instead of saving the money, they spend it. Yes. And they don't think about investment. They don't think about oh, maybe I should either get real estate or open up a restaurant or you know some do. Some do. You do hear about them. The Kardashians, as an example. Granted, they're not they're not actors or anything like that. But they took whatever money they made and then started another business and started another business and so on. So so that's awesome that you know you would you would mention something like that. So uh, another question. Exactly. Well, another question I got, um, and this is a good one. What is your creative process? What does your creative process look like? So you get the part, you sit down, you read the script, and you realize, okay, he's dark or he's funny or, you know, and, and so where do you start kind of studying how that character should be like? I read the script. Um, I, I read the script a million times first, honestly. I, I try to get a sense of, of the story and who am I in this story? Who am I in this world? Uh and what am I, you know, what purpose am I serving to this story? Why does my character exist? So I'm looking at it from the outside a little bit at first, and I start making notes on the script. If anybody anybody has worked with me looks at my scripts, and they can tell you that they're all full of, like, crazy notes everywhere to the point that I can't even read them, read the script at that point. But it's, it's a crazy, crazy process. But I start making notes and questions. But I might not have the answer at that moment, and it might be a question that I might have for the writer or director, or just a reminder to myself that I need to work on that at some point. And that's my first impression, also the script. And I'm never going to have a second. I'm not going to have a second chance to have my first impression. So that's important to me, that first impression. And more often than not, my first impression tends to be correct, even though I might go away from it later on and write other notes. But I end up coming back to that that first impression and go, well, you know what, I, I was right. But it's it's the process. So once I, I I start seeing breaking down the script and what's up and what do they say? I mean, just basic things. What do other characters say about me in the story? What do I say about myself? Am I being truthful? A lot of times, you know, a character might say something, but he's not truthful. Then that's telling me something about myself as well. Why am I not being truthful? Uh, and it starts telling me how to play this this person. Who am I? I start asking myself, who am I as this person? And what am I? What are my objectives? What do I want out of life? What gets me up in the morning? What is my motivation? What am I trying to go after in every scene? That what is my big goal? What am I? What is my love? What do I love? Everybody loves something. What is my love? What do I love? And if I don't love anything, that, that tells me a lot about my character as well, uh, that I don't love anything. Maybe that's why I am the way I am as the character. So, like I said, I talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the interview. Right. Which feels like 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, later. Um, but Back yeah, at the ranch. I, I, yeah, I start asking, I ask a million questions of the character. And then, like I said, 
once I get a feel for the character, and it might be something. A lot of times, I find I find that one thing that I can hook myself on, and it might be the walk. It might be how I how I I talk. It might be for the boatman, for example. The way I walked and the way I spoke helped me a lot get into my the, my the body, the body of my character. Um, he spoke a certain way, like somebody who never talks, and it hurts to talk. So I like okay, I never talk, and so I found the voice uh, a little more. More raspy, more like a squeaky door that hasn't been opened a lot. That's the way I saw it when I spoke, and I and and then that gave me the way I spoke and the pacing of my talking. And then I realized I'm intoxicated a lot, the character, <laughs> and I'm also tired a lot. So it gave me a certain walk. Where do I live? Where does my character live? This character lives in the border. He's crossing people over, so he's. He does. He's not work, walking on sidewalks, like somebody who lives in L.A. or in the city. He, he was walking in dirt, and there's snakes around where he works and walks. So he's constantly looking to the ground. So little things like that help me anchor the character. And then what is it that I want in life? What wakes me up in the morning? What? And in this case, it was it was my job. It was taking pride in my job and getting these people across. And having it, making enough money, so I don't run out of money. Little things, and sometimes they don't even come up in the story. But you need to know. You need to know more than the character. The actor needs to know more than the character. At least I think. Awesome. Now I can only imagine that it takes time to even just kind of wipe that character out of you when you're done with the film. Yeah, yeah. Some are yeah, easier you, than others. You get into that character for so long; it's now almost embedded, and it's kind of. Mentally, you, you got to remove them. that. And I admire, honestly, I admire things of every character I've ever played. Even the guys who weren't that, even the guys who weren't nice guys. Um, I, I, I find something to like them. I have to like the character. I have to like myself as that person. Well, let's change the, the, the pace a little bit of the conversation. And only a few more questions left, and I'm going to let you go so you can get rest. And stuff like that, because I know these are exhausting type interviews from me, because I do that. Um, your, I see, I noticed behind you. I think that's the Georgia Latina Film Festival award. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's the Georgia Latino Festival. So you you won an award for that. Uh, I think if it was best actor for the boatman, right? Best actor for the boatman, which it also serves as a weapon. If you can see, <laughs> uh, or as a fish, it serves a lot of purpose of the award, but it's heavy. Well, that's a that's an important award because uh, you know, as as a brand ambassador to the Georgia Latina Film Festival, it is the only Latin film festival in the South. So I I think it's uh, awesome that you that you were that good that you received that award. Oh, totally no, no, and I was I was very proud of having received it and going to Atlanta to get the award, um, which is, is funny. I mentioned half and half knots. I had gone early in the year to get the award, the Best Actor Award in Atlanta, and and Jose Jose mentioned, hey, do you know Ozzy Arreo? He says to me, Ozzy Arreo is president of Tyler Perry Studios. That's which right. Tyler Perry Studios is the studio that does the half and half nuts. The show comes out on the old network, the Oprah Winfrey network, but he's the president of the, of the studio, Latino, Cuban. Cut to, like a month afterwards, I'm at an event here in LA called the Latin Upfronts, which I went to and I wasn't going to go to because I, I was having a crazy day. I think I had just arrived from somewhere. Um, but I ended up going. And who do I meet there? I meet Ozzy Arreo. And I mentioned to him, hey, I was just in Atlanta. And then I said to him, I want, I, I, I'd, um, I'd like to send you my demo reel. And that was the beginning of me ending up uh, in the half and half nuts. So thanks to the Latino Film Festival and having a conversation about him. Well, that, that gave me a, uh, I met him in L.A. I didn't meet him in the, but the, okay. his name. But, but, you, but you guys had a conversation about 
that in Atlanta. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. We did, Jose. That's uh, awesome. said, oh, I know Ozzy. You should meet Ozzy. And next thing you know, I'm meeting Ozzy here. And then I told Ozzy, Ozzy Aro, hey, I know Jose. And we took a photo together and we texted it to Jose. So that kind of broke the top, break the ice. So those who don't know who Jose is, he's actually in our audience. And he is in charge of the Georgia Latina Film Festival. So big wave and shout out to Jose. Uh, okay, one more audience question. Uh, one more audience question. Uh, now this is by Chitachi. Chitachi, thank you for the question. Whenever you see depiction of Latinos, they seem to be monolithic. For example, Afro-Latinos are often not depicted. What needs to happen to ensure broader representation? I mean, it goes back to what I said, the, having more writers, more executives, which helps break the typecast of, of Latinos because they see the world more accurately. A Latino knows that, you know, we all come in all colors and all types. Uh, if it's a white guy writing for Latino, a lot of times I get something, and part of my job as an actor is, okay, how do I make it sound like somebody, I actually speak this way. And and more often than not, they give me freedom to tweak things, say exactly what they wrote, but tweak it a little bit so it sounds like was written by Spanish or because even if the dialogue is in English, which more often than not it, it is in English uh, in the projects that I work, but if I play a Latino, the character a lot of, a lot of times thinks in Spanish first, so you have to you have to write that way. So, but this, so that's just an example. So I think it's getting more people in power who are Latinos, when the writers' room and the executives who start thinking of of, of these things, sees the world more more than just you know stereotypes of black and white. Hmm. Okay, so one last question. Uh, in terms of you mentioned social media earlier, and that you share your demo reel and stuff like that. Have you ever gone live? Like, is this your first live? Uh, no, no, but I, this is the first time that I actually do it from my home and I'm in charge of the computer and all that. Another, another, the other times that I've done it has been through my publicist, uh, Brenda Herrera, which she's probably watching and she's dealt with all the, all the technical difficulties. <laughs> so now, so, so tell us a little bit about your method, like your methods outside of sharing, um, your uh, reels and stuff like that. What other things? What other things do you do to take advantage of the technology such as social media? Because you mentioned that you sometimes use that to get your parts and things of that nature. So how does that work? Like, are you I using mean, I've LinkedIn? Seen, I've seen the great thing about social media is, or producers or writers who share their work, uh, and I will look at it. I will go on the the movies out. I will go on Amazon or I'll go on Netflix or, and I'll send them a message. That's a great thing about about Facebook or Instagram that you can literally send somebody a message and say, "Hey, I just watched your work in so and so film or a TV show. I really enjoyed your work. I would love to work with you. Here's my reel. Throw it out there, you know. Um, and." There's been times that, that you know, I've, I've ended up working with those people. That's cool. You're on their radar. At least put yourself on their radar, you know. Right. Noticed. But take initiative. They're not going to go and find you sitting in your living room and go, oh, I want to work with Epic. You know, you have to, like, put yourself out there. And a lot of times, they, hey, a lot of times they haven't even responded to me and they might think, hey, that's that guy's crazy. Or they don't check their messages. Who knows? But there's other times that, you know, I've gotten back messages from people who I really, who I messaged them and I was surprised that they responded by saying, hey, I enjoyed your work. I saw you so and so. I, and we've started a relationship and some of them are, you know, now I'm friends with them and I met them afterwards. So you're going to share this video to people, right? This one, yeah. <laughs> so now, um, so what, what is your favorite platform? Like what works best for you and social media? Uh, Facebook, and now recently I've gotten more into Instagram as well, but Facebook has been the one that I've been most successful. I have, I have Twitter uh, connected to my Facebook, so that's great. So whatever you, whatever you put yeah, on Facebook, Twitter, it shows up on Twitter. Twitter. And then I go on Twitter every once in a while, I check it, and I respond 
through messages, and, and I try to respond to everybody who, who messages me. Um, on Facebook, unfortunately, I've reached my limit, so I have a fan page. Right. It's harder to find. I find that the fan page is a little harder to find, uh, but that's the only place now that people can add themselves. If I have to add you, there's a good chance that I won't be able to. Got it. Yeah, I mean, social media is an interesting animal, um, mm -hmm. and uh, it's great that you're able to incorporate that in terms of how you publicize yourself and stuff like that. Um, you don't see, I don't think I see a lot of celebrities really engaging too much in social media for privacy reasons, I'm sure, um, stuff like that. But it's great to see that you have uh, embraced it. Well, I mean, I think we're probably out of time, um, although there's no real time limit. Uh, I apologize for those who are watching on the Georgia Latina Film Festival page. Uh, I hate to repeat it, but um, somehow there was a glitch. And... Um, the next few episodes that will be occurring, and there's definitely more episodes like this to help promote that the Georgia Latina Film Festival is going to be in Georgia, uh, September 21st to 24th. And uh, this is just us uh, showing off this great talents, the Latin talents that are in the industry that help promote the Georgia Latina Film Festival as well. And, uh, you know, like we said, he had won an award for the best actor on The Boatman. And uh, I want to be, be able to say that uh, those of you who are in Atlanta, please go to the Georgia Latina Film Festival website, uh, website, which there is a link in the comments as well for it. And, uh, you know, join us. Join us. Enjoy some great films. Enjoy. So have a good time. Uh, meet the cast and the directors and all that type of stuff. We're going to have a gala. We're looking for sponsors at all times. Uh, you can have sponsorship here with us. So I'm more than happy to be able to talk about our sponsors uh, when we... Uh, um, and, and, and during our productions and I want to thank you <laughs> as I take off my headphones uh, Mr. Torre so much for giving me so much of your time and, and being able to share your stories with us um, that's it ladies and gentlemen I don't want to you know overuse my time and have him be like I never want to talk to that guy again so <laughs> no 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 what I, I just wanted to add uh, thank you to you and the Georgia Latino Film Festival and uh, I would encourage filmmakers to submit their films to the uh, Georgia Latino Film uh, Film Festival and to attend. That's a great way of networking. You talked about networking. Go to film festivals. Meet other filmmakers. Look at their work. Uh, that's a good way to work. Well, thank you again. And, uh, yeah, so we're under the impression under the Georgia Latino Film Festival that um, there is a Facebook conspiracy because we did have an issue once before with Rick, but we were able to recover from that one. This one I have to kind of sort out. So you'll probably see me testing and playing around with the settings for the Georgia Latina Film Festival to make sure that this does not happen again. But I'll glue the pieces together. We'll have one full episode and we'll release it again for replay value. Um, and thanks, Oscar. So let's uh, wave goodbye to everybody. Now, is there any, before we go, is there anything you want to promote? Anything that you want to let people know before we go, uh, following you and what, what platforms and so on? Uh, follow me on Instagram, Oscar Torre Actor, and uh, on my Facebook fan page, and check out The, the Boatman. It's out on Amazon right now, iTunes. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it's free, as well as Pretty Rosebud, the film that I, that I directed and my wife wrote and stars in. It's also on Amazon, Amazon Prime, and all the other... Uh, Check it out and send me a message. I, re I tend to respond. Awesome. All right. Well, let's just wave goodbye to everybody as we go to the ether. There we go. Have a great night, everybody. Take care. <laughs>